Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined by Debbie Osborne. How are you doing today, Debbie? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Great. Good to have you here. And um, I ask where you're calling from. I'm calling from outside Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, really? Wow. That's great. Very cool. Were you born there? I was born in North Georgia, deliverance country. No kidding. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Are you what they call a Georgia peach? I I am, although some people would just call us straight redneck from the. Oh, that's okay. Hey, <laughs> man, my neck the, is the northeast Georgia half, mountains. <laughs> my neck is at least half red after living in Arizona for thirteen years. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I'd like to think that it's a very attractive striped pattern of some sort. You know, <laughs> that's in. right. I've got just enough city, but yeah, I love rednecks. Country people are my favorite, to be honest. That's really cool. <laughs> how neat, how neat. Do you do sh- you go out and shoot guns and things like that? I take it. Yes. Um, uh oh, something's going on a- here. Wait, wait, we got to stop. Your audio cut out. Right. Oh, uh, No, it's a weird clicking sound. Something, something just started happening. Not sir. I'm not hearing it on my end. Yeah, that's uh, weird. It's a strange clicking sound, and it cut out all your audio. Um, okay, let's try one more time. And you're on okay. a normal. You're on a normal computer, right? Right. Uh, well, I'm on a, a laptop rather than oh, a desktop, yeah. but it's a normal. Yeah. 
Okay. It's, it's not an iPad or anything. I do have AirPods. I can try taking those out and see if the internal mic will work. Um, yeah, we could try that. I'm not sure what okay. I've never been on the other side of this microphone. <laughs> so I don't know. But let's give it a try. All right. How's that work with everything turned off? Is that uh, any better? I don't know. We'll find out. It didn't happen to uh, me talking. Hold on. Let me get my sound working here. No problem. No problem. Yeah, every now and then this happens too, and that's a lot of fun, but whatever, you know. All right. Is that any better? I, I, won't, I won't know until we get started, so let's start over. I can't hear you now. You can't hear me? Uh-oh. Oh no, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? You're muted. Unmuted. All right, Todd, can you hear me now? I can. Uh, but you can't hear me, right? Oh, man. Oh, uh, Houston, we got a problem. All right. How's that? Uh, for some reason, my in machine is insisting on going through the AirPods. Uh, is that, is that, yeah. Can you hear me? Is, has the sound gone away if I switch off? I honestly, switch off a couple of things. I really won't know until we try talking again. Oh, okay. Yeah. It All just right. happened after the first thing. So you can hear me now? Yes. Yeah. I can okay. hear you now. Now I have a rule about this. We're going to give it one more try. And if it doesn't work, we're going to have to reschedule. Okay. Okay. So let's give it a try and see if we can make this happen. So hold on just a moment. All right. Thank you for, sh wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I was trying to make my phone, damn it. Okay. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today we're joined by Debbie Osborne. How you doing, Debbie? I'm doing fine, and you? Doing great. Where are you calling from today? I am calling from outside Atlanta. Mm. Atlanta, that's a neat place. Have you lived there long? I've lived here most of my adult life. I actually grew up in northeast Georgia, but oh, yeah? um, I've lived here uh, since I graduated from college and started working. Wow. So you're a full-on Georgian peach, I always think the name is, right? They call yes. it peaches there? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's that's what we are. And I, and I can drop into my southern accent if I need to. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bet that's really good at times of financial negotiation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excuse me for a moment. I'm going to pull out this other personality and charm you into doing whatever I want. <laughs> it's spellbinding. That's awesome. Wow. So your whole life in Georgia, what's it like to spend your whole life in a, in one spot? I don't even know what that's like. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've had a couple of jobs. They've all been in the South, um, but I've, Atlanta is where I've left from and come back to. I have family here. And then um, when I got married almost 20 years ago, the kids are here. So that sort of sets sets my, um, you know, sets, sets my feet in concrete here. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And when we, when you were born, I take it both parents were alive and 
all that good stuff? Yes, yes, they were. Um, my parents have, have both died, but I have a younger oh. brother and a younger sister, and we are extremely good friends. I'm very fortunate in that respect, and um, they are close by, and, you know, it's just, it's nice to be friends with your siblings. Man, uh, oh, you got me, Debbie. You got me. <laughs> you got me. And uh, part of the fun of this is I like to share every now and then, but I'll just tell you that I have the exact opposite experience. Uh, my, my two siblings and my mom conspired against me when my grandma died, and wow, there's a whole bunch of money missing, and uh, suddenly Todd's no longer in the family. Oh, so, that's, yeah. that's so awful. You have I'm, no I'm idea. really fortunate. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really fortunate. God bless fortunate. you. That's beautiful. And I'll tell you this, like I really wanted it the other way, but you learn as you grow older, uh, sometimes your image of certain things is not always what it really is. And, you know, it's very strange. So that's good. I always get inspired when I hear this, but it's a real bummer. I feel super cheated, you know. Right. Well, that's, you know, the kids that I spent most of my life working with have been kind of the same situation you are. And I have spent a lot of time helping them. You you find other family and mm -hmm. you, you find other connections. And yeah. that that's what you how you put your life together is with yeah. other things. And honestly, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about this. I wasn't expecting this, but that's what I've been working on. And I just moved to Henderson, Nevada, near Las Vegas from a yep. very small town in Arizona. And just for that reason, because, man, like I looked in Arizona for a while and it's fun and like a lot of interesting people. But goddamn, like I couldn't find, you know, more than a couple to a handful of, you know, close friends to save my life there. I was really surprised, man. And. You know, it was all good and everything, but like here, it's automatic. Right away, it's like been completely different and totally different people, really interesting, supportive people showing up. Like, yeah, so I feel you. And I'm in that pursuit right now, actually. And at the, uh, you know, at the suggestion of my counselor, I had a good therapist for a number of years and he was really, really great. And uh, so he helped me to see things straight enough to be able to at least want to face the world. Um, right. A couple of year, years ago, I wanted to leave it. So, you know, it's a whole other experience. It's really nice. It's good. And you mentioned yeah. uh, kids that you work with and all that. Um, do you work with kids? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, <laughs> that just sounds stupid I, or anything. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I, I, um, I, I make my living as a lawyer, mm -hmm. but what I have done, the most important thing I've done with my life is raise other people's children. Oh. I have been a foster parent and a step parent, and oh. I actually have never had biological children. I, wow! My, bi my my biological clock never went off, and um, plus I'm I'm not really a person who enjoys babies. Um, all the yeah. the babies in my extended family, I've I've told their parents, you know, they're they're wonderful, they're adorable, they're sweet. I love them, but, but take this thing away from me. Well, they're. they're just, <laughs> They're boring until they can argue with me. Right, so, right. I can see that perspective. For me, it's the crying and the sense of entitlement <laughs> that would drive me nuts. Like oh. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that that that. I just I just look at that as normal. It doesn't bother me. But they're just kind of boring until I can yeah. communicate with them and have discussions. 
Yeah, um, it's so funny. It's a weird thing, isn't it? How humans are like that. Like me, me, right. me, 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 me. And then as as we grow up, some of us stay me, 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 me. <laughs> and then others are about the other people. So I love that that there's you out there. That's great. So oh, cool. So how did you find your way into that? Like, uh, did you just want to, you know, were you just having fun and thinking, oh, you know what? I don't want to deal with this labor pain <laughs> bullshit. I'm just going to adopt my children. No, it, it, it really, my parents were always involved in working with what back 40 years ago we called at-risk kids. Yeah. And so I just kind of developed a, a, a heart for that. Plus, there's something in my personality that um, responds to kids who um, oppose authority and argue and <laughs> don't quite think the rules apply to them. And yeah. uh, not not to tell any stories from my past, but I just mm -hmm. have a sympathy <laughs> for, cool. for those kids who don't quite fit in. Well, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, so then when I graduated from college, I got a job as a social worker slash probation officer with in one of the juvenile courts in, in Metro Atlanta. And um, I burned out after almost four years. Um, I, I just, I got tired of dipping out the ocean with a teaspoon. Yeah. And so I retreated to law school, but I just stayed involved in the field. I was, I did volunteer work. I was a prosecutor for a while of crimes against children. And then when I came back um, to the to the private sector, I found myself advising youth organizations, so that's what my job it mostly is now, is working with groups that work with kids, but because of my social work background on a personal level, I just started um, working with um, foster agencies, because I knew there was a need there, and I knew yeah. I had the resources, mm -hmm. and um, so... I. Through fostering and adoption and marriage of stepkids, um, my husband and I have seven kids and ten grandkids. Oh, wow. So wow. That's, that's, that's my collection. I've, I've collected seven kids and ten grandkids. That's amazing. <laughs> Most people probably suspect you're Catholic. No, you're just a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, there I just can't imagine my life without them. That's they're, awesome. They're just really, really neat kids. Thank all God, of them. thank God for you. You know what? Like this family thing in the world, and I'm just one person. I know that there's other people that have suffered in similar and much worse ways, honestly, than I have. Even though my situation is terrible, it made me want to die and you know, made me feel completely alone and isolated and abandoned like a piece of trash. But there's other people out there that, you know, are suffering from like some really serious shit. And there's an episode coming up I just recorded recently with a lady that uh, her mother tried to kill her when she was a baby. And then it ended up that they moved her from house to house to keep her away from society. She couldn't go to school and like she got kidnapped. I mean, it was an unbelievable story and yet somehow or another she came out of the whole thing you know being her own bright shining star for other people and it's amazing but when you hear it it's like man you know and I think about that a lot you know and it was probably the reason I avoided therapy for so long is I didn't think that I deserved to get help for some reason and yeah that there's there's something about me that didn't deserve it or maybe 
like, oh, those other people have worse problems than I I do. Maybe why would I go in for help? Like they've got it worse than I do. But the reality is all of our problems have equal weight in our own capacity, right? As individuals. Like so yep. we might not realize it, but when we're struggling, it's okay to get help. It's actually a good thing to go get help, right? Right. It is. And and there is sometimes I, I catch myself sometimes thinking, well, gosh, compared to what my kids have been through, what the heck am I whining about? Yeah. But, but you're, you know, the, we all have the right to work on ourselves and to work on problems and to, to, to advance from where we are to where we would like to be. And we just all start at different places. That's for sure. That's for sure. And the hardest part, I think, especially in today's world is where in the hell do I want to be? And, you know, there's so many choices and things available to people. It can be overwhelming. And I can imagine, especially in the mind of a young person, I'm glad I'm older now, but, you know, as a young person, I remember, you know, feeling the sense of overwhelming, you know, perception of things that, you know, oh, wait, that's just adult life. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. And, and we have, we've not done well with our kids. We, I I won't get off on on any of my soapboxes today, but we, Oh no, that's what you're here for. This is actually a virtual (laughs) soapbox, Debbie. So you're in the right spot. This is jump up there. there, There's, there's two things that I think we're doing wrong with our kids that are, that are making them afraid of adult life. One is that our society rewards victimhood. You know, um, people are supposed to, they find their place by counting up their victim points, um, to use a phrase one of my kids told me. Um, She was the one who her plan for going to college did not involve studying or getting good grades. She was going to write a killer essay about her experiences in foster care uh, or being deserted by her parents and ending up with these old people who didn't understand her, meaning me. And, and um, she said to me, I've got enough victim points to get into college. And Jesus. I, I didn't think that would work for her, but you know, that's the message we've given our kids. And then the second thing we've given them is that they always have to be protected and supervised by adults and that the solution to any of their problems, bullying or anything else is to go find a trusted adult to figure it out for them. And we have inadvertently with all of the best motives communicated to our kids that they can't handle the adult world without us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It creates dependence. Yeah. Instead of, instead of, uh, you know, independent thinking and problems. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. But why would a young person want to change? What, what What's the point? You know what I mean? Like uh, if you're a young person and your life is just a mess and you're a troublemaker and all that stuff, what's the, why would they want to change in your opinion? Like what's the message to somebody that's out there that just doesn't even know that there's a better way? Well, um, unfortunately, a lot of the things that we have to tell them about there is a better way requires them to defer gratification. Everything that we say about, you know, hard work and, and saving money and looking the long game, it, it all is something that we say to them, you know, trust me for the next three years and you'll, you'll appreciate it. Well, you know, if they don't trust us to begin with, they're not going to listen to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, the, so, so it, it's not an easy, it's not an easy sell. 
And that's why a lot of what we have to do is um, model it for them and and walk beside them and and be there for them and have their back. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we have to make... Uh, we have to love them unconditionally. Now, I, I, we can't make unlimited commitments because that's not healthy. You have to have healthy boundaries in relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a couple of my kids who aren't speaking to me and my husband right now because of, of boundaries. It, but we have said to them, we love you. We, we cannot go with you down this road that you're going. We cannot enable you or support you or help you. But you know where we are and we will always be here. Okay. And that's what they need to hear is that we will always be here whenever you want to come back. I got to know uh, what was the issue and how did the boundaries get broken and who broke them? Um, they did with substance abuse. Okay. Okay. I understand. And um, I totally get you know, where you're coming from there. That makes perfect sense. You know, you can't trust somebody who's strung out on drugs. I mean, <clears throat> I smoked a lot of pot, but it never made me do anything bad. And it certainly wouldn't make me, you know, the kind and of... The, it's the addiction that's the yeah. issue. You know, I mean, there's addiction to legal drugs mm-hmm. that cause all sorts of problems. And you have to set boundaries. There's Extended members of my family, not my kids, but uh, but I come from a, a, a extended family. My family tradition is there were the the teetotalers and there were the alcoholics, mm. and the older members of my family didn't understand. Well, I don't know if they 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 couldn't handle social drinking, maybe the way to put it. So you know, <laughs> we learned early on to say to people that we loved. I, I will take you to to rehab any day, any time, but that is the only call that I will answer from you. Mm-hmm. And um, because you just, it, it, it doesn't have to be an illegal substance. It's the addiction that, mm-hmm. that you know, they, they, they end up with something besides them controlling their lives. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, I, this is what the show's about, but I'm going to ask you a weird question here. <laughs> <laughs> Was it reasonable for you to set those boundaries? So, yes. Okay. Yes. I, okay. I, I never had any. This is one thing you learn with um, parenting teenagers, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> is that um, they need structure. They need to know where the boundaries are. They hate them. They will push against them. They will fight them. They will argue with them. It'll all be your fault, but they need them. And you have to set very clear, very reasonable boundaries. And, and you have to say, look, I love you. No more money. No, no more lies with the, with the addictions. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're willing to work on this addiction, we will be you, you know where to find us. Right on. And those are adopted children, correct? Foster kids. Or foster we, we, kids, I'm they, sorry. Yeah, they, they were never available for adoption. Okay. Um, and I mean, you know, just tracing it back, because I always like to know why about everything, really. Um, uh, did you know if these kids might have come from parents that were abusive in, in a drug sense? Like, I mean, is that where it comes from? Uh, or 
I, these particular kids, I don't think so. But, but you know, there's a lot of trauma that um, people work out trauma in different ways, and trauma triggers people to 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 do all sorts of things. Some of my kids were runaways. You know, runaways run away. It's what they do. It's a it's a coping mechanism. Other kids self medicated and. Some could self-medicate safely, like you were able to do with pot, mm-hmm. um, but some of them couldn't do it safely and no. and got into addictions. So it's uh, well, it's uh, it's what happens with kids who suffer trauma. They just have, you know, they have all sorts of different ways of coping, and the. The problem is to convince them that the most difficult and and um, most um, heart rending ways of coping with it are actually the ones that are most difficult for them in the short run are the ones that are going to help them in the long run. Like you talked about having finding a good therapist, someone you mm-hmm. trusted to, to delve down deep into looking at things. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's really tough. Yeah, in the is. short run, it's really hard, but it's the only thing that will work in the long run. You're right. And I remember um, actually, and by the way, this is kind of fun for me because we're doing things completely backwards right now. <laughs> but it's okay. We'll get enough of everything. But your subject matter is too good not to want to focus in on right away. So, you know, I really appreciate what you do and what you're about. And I want to share that with people. And hopefully, you know, if there's kids or young people listening that don't have anybody, you know, I'd like for someone like you to have a voice that they can hear and get hope from and and all that. So I'm going to ask you, uh, those kids that are now outside or estranged from your family, if they were sitting there right now and you had one thing to say to them, what would it be? I would say find groups that work with kids like you. There are loads of loving, caring adults in the community who are willing to make connections with you. Um, my, my husband and I, for example, we've, we're not doing um, foster care anymore. We, we're just we're old people and we're taking a break. But we have signed up with a group where we're mentoring kids mm-hmm. who have aged out of foster care. Mm. So we have some young adults that are not living with us, but we're still giving them those connections and those family ties that they want to connect with. So there are groups that work with kids, both in foster care and kids who have aged out. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And ones that are really at risk, as you said, Mm -hmm. Uh, different things. Wow. That's amazing. Um, how cool. Yeah. And honestly, I grew up without a father and uh, my dad was around till I was 18 months old and he disappeared. Can't say I blame him. And uh, he showed up again when I was 11, which was great. And uh, we had a nice relationship for, you know, uh, his remaining years until he passed away. And it was great. Oh, that's like, good. I'm, thank- I'm so thankful because honestly, like he really filled in so many gaps and made a big difference yeah. and especially at that age like he was a really good influence my mom might have hated him but she hates everybody so what difference does it make <laughs> well know. that that relationship is incredibly powerful you know my my husband's he has five kids but the three eldest ones are actually stepkids they're uh-huh. his 
first wife was a widow with three kids when he married her. And um, so I just have watched him fill in those gaps there with, even though he was technically a stepfather, he's the only father these kids knew or remember. Mm. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I still have emptiness, I think, because of not having a dad for most of my life, but he yeah. gave me just enough to be able to have a chance, you know, and it was a big difference, you know, it was my father that helped me understand spirituality and different things that related to human interaction and uh, social things and all that, and he was a great alcoholic, actually, he was a really fun alcoholic, like, he was a drinker and all that, but, like, he was the kind of guy that you have no problems hanging out with never cause a problem um but yeah he was an alcoholic and it was interesting I, I learned a lot through that experience i went to acoa group in college and uh, adult children of alcoholics for those that don't know right. what that is um and didn't even realize you know it was it was a study that they were doing and there's a friend of mine that had uh, parents with alcoholism and you know he's like hey man and he knew my story and he's like why don't you come to me to this come with me to this group meeting and I'm like what are you talking about and sure enough it was really interesting you know thinking and realizing that wow you know even though to me it didn't seem like a big deal that did have an impact in my life and you mm -hmm. know I didn't even know it at the time um, oh and some of my favorite older relatives were functioning alcohol functional alcoholics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just wonderful charming um, incredibly vibrant people yeah yeah, my dad was just great. He was a famous jazz musician back in the days, and, you know, he was just a fun guy. And, like, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know how to explain it, but, yeah, I miss him a oh, lot. No. Those, artist <laughs> those artistic types are really, they, they yeah. really it never ever gets boring. It's like the conversations go on for days and weeks and months yep. and years, and it's just wonderful, you know, and thank God for that. Um this is kind of off subject, but it just made me think of this uh, crazy story. But um, do you believe in like past lives and past life regression and all that kind of stuff? No, that's not. I'm I am a pretty conservative Protestant in my theology. So cool, cool, cool. Just had to ask. I was just wondering. That's all. <laughs> all right. I, I did a weird thing once where a hypnotist did a past life thing, and uh, about thirty five years ago, thirty yeah, something uh -huh. about thirty years ago. And uh, he told me, and we went through this thing, and I was actually describing to him during the experience, but it was weird. It was supposedly my own mother and father from this life that were a mother and father of me in a previous life, and I got killed. Oh, wow. By, I got killed by my own people after getting exiled from my community for not following the orders of my parents. And uh, that was a weird thing. So, like, it makes me really... It makes me question. I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus and God and all that, you know, and that's my main focus. But I'm very interested in all these other avenues to the truth because there might be, you know, there could be potential in understanding things better that way. But before anything ever went wrong in my family, this experience occurred. And then sure enough, you know, like uh, 10, 15, 20 years later, all this crazy stuff went down in my family. They kicked me out of my family. And you know, could care less whether I'm alive or dead. Thank God they didn't kill me again. Uh, you right. know, but yeah. <laughs> at least not I've, yet. I've always figured if I ever did one of those past life regressions that I, I'm pretty sure I was a serving wench somewhere who got executed for mouthing off to the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, that's, you're a strong personality. I can see that totally. 
that that's yeah. probably where, where what my past life would be. That's so crazy. Yeah. And who knows, you know, but it's, it's good to explore, but yeah, uh, faith is important. You don't want to get in the way Jesus gets mad and jealous. If you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to make the big J jealous. All right. Like that's no good. No good. He's the man. Um, but I just wonder also about things that relate to the upbringing of children. Maybe this is a good time to kind of go back a little bit. What was it like in your childhood that you know, kind of led you to this place. Like, talk a little bit about your childhood and what was good and bad about it. And let's kind of find out how this Debbie Osborne came to be such a wonderful, loving mother. <laughs> what happened? Well, you know, I, I really had kind of a, just an ordinary childhood. It was working class. Um, we never had a lot of extra money. And um, my my dad was always off dreaming about things while my mom was holding a job down <laughs> and um so you know they they had a lot of conflict but nothing is just annoyance level conflict yeah, when i was nor growing normal up. stuff normal yeah stuff. yeah normal stuff um i, I think where's the remote favorite. control <laughs> my my siblings and I learned a lot about communication from negative example might be the best way to phrase it but uh, you know we we were a very um we we were just a very kind of ordinary family I was always the one who was arguing and and trying to change things and my sister was the middle child she's a counselor now um, my younger brother, whenever mom and I would get into arguments, he would just disappear. That's what <laughs> youngest siblings do. He would Introvert? Just, uh, not so much that. He just likes to be invisible, likes to do his job. I guess he is a bit of more introvert. Most of us, actually, in our family are introverts. Uh, believe it yeah. or not, I am an introvert. What? Um, I know. It's hard Come to believe. On. But really? I, I just, I'd rather sit and read a book than talk to hold on Debbie, no, I, Debbie you've I given like, your life to all these children you're I, an extrovert <laughs> no I, I don't Am, ambiverts? My, I, I don't recharge my batteries being around people being around people takes effort really I recharge my batteries by that may be another reason I like teenagers you know teenagers are cave dwelling mammals they just go into their room and they stay there and yeah that really suits me love. just fine <laughs> That's cool. Wow, man. That's amazing. I mean, we, we, t we, we talk when they're willing to talk, um, and it doesn't hurt my feelings. I, I can entertain myself. Um, so, That's yeah, I, I guess all of us tend to be more introverts than extroverts. And wow. uh, I mean, we can, we, I can be whatever it takes to get the job done temporarily. But, sure, sure. Um, but I, you know, you put me in a room full of people and tell me find the three most interesting people in the room. I just think it's exhausting to go through that process. Oh, but see, I'm the I, opposite. I get charged up by stuff like that. Yeah, see, I can see you do that. Now, once I find out a person is interesting, like I could talk to you for hours. You too. But, but to find you in that room full of people would just drain my batteries. <laughs> 
But you know what? You you actually stumbled upon a really key note of the show. Is like I would like to help people also be inspired to reach out and make friends and find those interesting people in the world. Yeah. I think it's I think it's important that people know that you know wherever you go, it's like there's a shitload of people all around you, and like sure enough, there's going to be one to a handful that are like perfect for your life. How do you find them? And you know, it's like that's a really good question and. I personally think it has something to do with energy and instinct. Like for me, I'm drawn to people by a feeling. And I just wonder for you, what is it? What do you, what draws you to somebody that um, catches your interest? For just me, it's an, teamwork. I've, mm -hmm. I have found most of my friends and most of my close friends, the people that I enjoy hanging out with, I have found them through volunteer work with mm -hmm. kids groups. Um, I have close friends from... And, you know, I say I'm an introvert, but I have a lot of close friends. But I have found them through working on boards of nonprofit groups, awesome. working in, in um, those kinds of things. So I always tell people, if you want to find friends, uh, don't go hang out at a bar uh, nope. or, or go to networking things. Those are all just kind of a waste of time. Find a project that inspires you and work on it with people, and that's where you will find your people, is in projects that inspire you. Right on. That's good. And in the process of uh, providing service, you know, to others. Yep. Uh, doing something something selfless. That's good. That's a really good piece of advice, actually. God, you, you, you must be like a mom or something. <laughs> I've just watched. I've, I've watched and learned. I'll bet you make a hell of a peach cobbler. <laughs> you know, I hate to tell you this, but I really <laughs> cooking has never been one of my things. <laughs> really? Oh, in the I, South too. Wow. I know. It's awful. It it, it is terrible. Um <laughs> it's very sad. But I That's okay. I, I've I've never taken the time to really learn. My husband's a good cook. He enjoys awesome. cooking. And um, I I tend to yeah I start reading a book and mm -hmm. forget about the cookies and the other kind of yeah. thing. One of and my granddaughters yeah said one time she looked at me she said you know everybody else has really sweet cookie baking grandmas I get the scary lawyer grandma. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thing. She should be bringing you cookies to keep her out of trouble. You know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's funny. And, uh, as a child, what's the worst thing that you did that comes to mind? Tell tell us uh, a little secret <laughs> secret side of Debbie the lawyer. What's the worst thing you did as a child? The most trouble you've ever gotten in as a young oh, person? What was it? Debbie? Well, I I don't remember what whether I got in trouble for these things or not. But my sister tells, still tells two stories. One is um, she had a cast on her leg and we were out at the lake and um, with, they had put a waterproof thing on it and I was supposed to entertain her and um, but she couldn't swim so I had to tow her around and I just got so tired of doing that and I finally towed her out to the um, the buoy and the line that separated the <laughs> swimming area from the rest of the lake and then oh, I told me you left her there I did. <laughs> I <love. laughs> she, she she has forgiven me though. Uh, the one thing she may not have forgiven me for is she had a talking doll and I took it apart to see how it worked and couldn't put it back together. <laughs> so wow, she, that's funny. She still tells that story. <laughs> that's not bad at all. It doesn't get any worse than that, really. 
<laughs> so I know I was fairly boring. I mean, most of my the trouble I got into was just mouthing off all the time. I see. But that was just because you were a leader and were too small to show it. You were just a little person, but you were a big person inside, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's why I became a lawyer. I needed somewhere where arguing with authority was a skill set rather than a character flaw. Absolutely. So, yeah, I should have listened to my grandmother. That's what she wanted me to do is be a lawyer. And it was always because <laughs> she goes, you like to argue so much. You need to be a lawyer. And, you know, my mom wanted me to be a doctor so she could have another rich son. And uh, my grandmother wanted me to be a lawyer simply because I like to argue. So I, my grandmother's <laughs> motives were more pure. <laughs> <laughs> she probably knew you better than you knew yourself in some respect. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. To be honest, my grandparents raised me probably more than my mom did. And, you know, my father was gone and everything. But my mom, I have to say, like, even though in my adult life, she's been an absolutely terrible person. Um, to me, I, I just can't even imagine. It hasn't gone public yet, but the things that they did are bookworthy, and uh, it's it's coming. But the thing is, is that uh, in my childhood, she did a really good job. I have to hand it to her because I was a pain in the ass, and <laughs> I was a hyperactive child, you know. And oh like, yeah, I know now. Looking back, it's like. I was smart enough as, as an adult to realize that, like, holy crap, if I make one of these things, it might turn out like I did, and I'm not into that. <laughs> so I've never had my own children, honestly, just for that reason, because of myself. Yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that sound terrible, or is that smart? No, sure. <laughs> no. It, it, you know, I don't know that it's smart or terrible. It's just, it is. <laughs> It is what it is, you know? Yeah, it is what it is. That's for sure. That is for sure. Okay. And so you're pretty lightweight on the, the crime and criminality. Um, you're a lawyer I now. know. It's terrible. I, I really am dull and boring. No, that's a good thing. What about your siblings? Did any of them, were they any worse than you were, or were you no, like, all my, about the same? My sister was a role follower, and my brother... Um, whatever he did, no one ever caught him because he was so good at staying below the radar and being low key. Yeah. So funny. Good for him. Yeah. My, my sister is very definitely a rule follower, but, but that's okay. I, I, I have not been, I've, you know, I've always had the theory that if, if there's no penalty, there's no rule. And if you Mm -hmm. don't get caught, there's no penalty. That's right. I like it. Hey, you're my kind of lady. <laughs> I like I like how you think. That's great. Want to defend me? Oh, I need to get in trouble first. So hang on. I'll let I'll let you know when that happens. You know, um, not that it ever will. Don't, it never don't get caught. No, exactly. Don't get caught. You know. you know, that's a crazy saying. Um, another, you know, you're making me think of all this weird stuff, and uh, it's really strange. But my brother used to say that to me, and I never understood it. I remember in college, he came to visit me at a place I was living in Northern California. And I remember when he left, it was one of those parting, you know, things as he was waving, don't get caught. (laughs) And and I honestly had no idea what in the fuck he was talking about. I was like, what do you mean? Don't get caught. I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, what do you mean? Uh Oh, we've got our clicking again. Something. Are you there? It's okay. Yeah, I'm still let's, here. Let's keep going. So for the audience, okay. we, we had a clicking problem earlier that just returned. And if we can make it through 20 more minutes, we're home free here. We're home free. <laughs> and uh, so as you grew up, like when was the first time you started thinking about your adult life? Well, I um, actually, 
I, I graduated from college early. And, I mean, from high school early. And so I was... Um, How early? I, I was 15 when I graduated from right high school. Congratulations. Um, uh, well, thank you. And so I, I went on to college. I didn't really start thinking like an adult until I, I was 20 when I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first time I ever started thinking, oh, wait, wait, there's a world out there that that is that's different than what I've been doing before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and that's when I went into social work for three years and and um, retreated to law school. So it was it was probably while I was in college I I fell in love with debate team and discovered I was good at it. And so that was one of the reasons I went to law school was because I had had enjoyed the debate team so much. Very cool. Are you on the prosecuting or defending side of things? Well, for a while I was a prosecutor. I had a, a stint as a, a prosecutor on the uh, Cherokee Indian Reservation up in North Carolina. Really? And yeah, I was a, I was a federal prosecutor, and the feds have jurisdiction over the the various Indian reservations. Wow. So I did that, and then I came back into. Um, I'm just a civil lawyer. I I, I don't do criminal defense work, but I do civil um, defending groups that get sued, or I'm actually moving more towards the consulting, helping them avoid litigation end of it, Um, risk management, trying to help them have rules that keep kids safe. That's awesome. Very, very cool. So your legacy is to leave behind a bunch of really cool kids that you've helped to raise. So yeah, they're just they're they're great. I I feel like I don't know how much how much credit I can take. I just feel like a lot of times I was just watching on the sidelines as they were being awesome. And um, the same with a lot of the kids that I've mentored, and then a lot of my clients are just they're just really wonderful wonderful groups um, that 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 do a lot of good work with kids in in various stages of life and various um, types of trauma. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that your family, um, your family dynamic, and your parents had a large influence on who you became? Oh, very definitely. Um, because I, I, I didn't have any trauma to speak of. I mean, you know, there was the um, not always having enough money kind of trauma, but mm-hmm. we were never in poverty. We were always working level. Uh, we always had enough for what we needed. Mm-hmm. Never enough for what we wanted. But always yeah. enough for what we needed. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I look, for example, my my brother and sister and I um, are all still married to our first spouses, which wow. probably is some sort of record. I know. Isn't that? Yeah. Um, and and then I see my foster kids and to some extent, my older stepkids, they they don't know what a stable marriage looks like from the inside. And mm. I am very thankful that. You know, for all my parents um, arguing and communication issues and those kinds of things, um, it was a functional marriage, and I and I saw how you how you get through those times when the other person's being a complete jerk, mm-hmm. and you you still stick with the relationship and and build a good one. Man, that's good. That's good. Man, well, that's really something. Um, 
So does your ability to help people stretch uh, throughout the world, or is it a United States-based thing? Is it local? How does that all work? It, it's a U.S.-based thing. I don't work with any um, international groups. I, I have a law partner who does a lot of work with international groups, and I may start helping him with some of those. But all of mine have been uh, local, and um, I have not uh, – all my foster care has been um, – kids born here in the U.S. and, and part of U.S. families. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Very, very cool. And your parents, um, you mentioned that they both passed, and I'm really sorry for that. Um, sorry, you know, it's no fun when Thank that happens. What, um, what message would you have if they could come back to life for just a moment and you could say something to them? What would you say to them? Just Thank you for all the lessons and particularly the lesson of of always supporting my crazy ideas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. They taught you to be an individual and it worked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that is amazing. Um, you know, I'm looking at your picture as we're talking here and you remind me a lot of, uh, you ever watch the TV show, The Office? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I mean, you know, you've got too much to do to be sitting around watching TV. I'm sure, but um, <laughs> there's there's a character in the later seasons that runs the saber company that bought out Dunder Mifflin, and uh, she's like this. I forget her name as an actress, but you'd know her right away when you see her, and you kind of look like her in a way. But you have that same <laughs> strong presence and that southern charm. But ball buster, buddy, you better not cross me. But you know what? I'll be nice as I can be. <laughs> There's just something about that character that just gets me. But you really remind me of her. It's very entertaining. I'll, I'll I'll have to look for that. You know, we we in the South, you learn the iron fist and the velvet glove. I think, or yeah, or 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 you know, if you've ever heard anybody say "bless your heart," mm-hmm. that's um, that's actually an insult. You just have to understand. Understand it. You know? Yeah, I totally get it. I, I do get it. Um, yeah, as my as my grandmother used to say, "Bless her heart, she can't help it. She, she's dumb." Absolutely. <laughs> and this wasn't really expected, but um, and I know we can't talk about politics, but what do you think is wrong with society today, Debbie? I think it's because um, I could trace it back to a lot of the moral relativism that everybody gets to choose their own reality. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We as individuals are really crappy at creating our own reality, and we can't give ourselves anything that makes us feel secure. Mm-hmm. And so we're always chasing down this identity or that identity or mm-hmm. something to give us a foundation and um, like, a, like an image, and, right? Yeah, like, like an image or or just an identity. I mean, a lot of the search for identity, who am I? Kids go through that, but um, but whenever you you have no absolute values, you have nothing to build an identity on. You know, right. um, I. To, to mention, I mean, for me, my identity is bound up in my theology that the God who created the universe knows my name and cares about me mm-hmm. and knows me individually. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. incredibly powerful. 
And yeah. other other people can have an identity in uh, you know virtues and and uh, it doesn't have to come from religion, but they still are very solid in this is right and this is wrong and this mm-hmm. is what reality is. Mm-hmm. Once you lose that and it's all you do you, that's kind of um, that that's that's not stable or steady enough to build a life on. Yeah, and, and would you say that a lot of it comes from like uh, social media, for example, with everybody comparing themselves to everybody else and everybody's putting on the perfect face for that selfie, but in reality, it's like the moment that picture is over, there's no smile there, and so it's not authentic, you know, and I often think that that's the problem and it relates to the issue that you just discussed. Do you think that that's got something to do with it? I think it has a lot to do with it because if you don't have your your identity and you don't have a sense of who you are at the core, then everything around you looks like it's real and you know you can't get there. You can't do that. You can't be that person that's on social media. So if you can't be that, then what can you be? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the answer is for people? I think we have to start with some level of groundedness, which unfortunately um, the reason we don't like it is because groundedness in reality inhibits our perfect freedom. (laughs) So, you know, we have to learn to accept the responsibilities of being an adult. Of living in this world, of creating communities, of caring for each other. Mm -hmm. And we can't do it in a vacuum of you be you and everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point. And uh, it is distracting. Do you think that social media will have to end for a little while to bring that back? Or do you think that people are capable in our society today to realize the error of their ways and? reach out in a different way and, you know, have that more old school kind of connection. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Um, you know, we all go in cycles. I think we will, um, we will eventually get back. I just don't know how much of a crash we have to go through in order to be willing to admit that we're wrong. Yeah. That's sad. Isn't it sad? You have to go to rock bottom to get there in some cases. Like most Mm -hmm. people would be like, hey, hey, there's a cliff coming up there and uh, the end of the mountains right up there, everybody. Slow down. And instead, it's like everybody's running, thinking the road extends over the vast emptiness of that 10,000 foot drop on the end of the cliff, you know. Uh, I tell one of my kids one time that I felt like much of our relationship and conversation was with them sitting on a train track and me saying, you know, there's a train coming, the, the train, it's, it's coming. And the kid looking at me and saying, don't talk to me about trains. Talking about trains is triggering and I don't want to talk about trains. <laughs> so. Wait, that really happened? <laughs> no, I said, that's, that's, oh, okay. that's I was I, like, I, that was, no, that was the analogy I used. That's a good analogy, because, man, if that was the case, I'm like, wait, wait, we need to unpack this now. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. It, it, it's the analogy. I'm saying You're you know, exactly there's, a train, right. there's yeah. a train coming. It's, yeah. It's You're called exactly being an right. adult or, or whatever. There's a train coming. And the kids it, are saying to me, eh, no, nah, don't, don't talk to me about trains. That, that mm-hmm. makes me anxious and upset. 
Yeah, that's funny. Funny thing. Well, let me tell you something, buddy. There's something else going to happen here in about 10 seconds that's going to make you even more anxious and upset. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Train's going to run your ass over. Um, But you're you're exactly right, and it's so weird. Uh, I don't understand it, but I'm learning to avoid it. But, like, whenever I encounter somebody that uses that word that says, you know what, that triggers me, or something like that, uh uh-oh, red flag. I'm going to stay clear of this one and uh, right. not going not to even bother to try. But um, I had that happen not long ago and it was related to a trans person. And it really surprised me, to be honest. Um, the person was really grounded and nice and very, I mean, just an awesome person. But the moment she said something about being triggered related to like a trans person, I was like, and I don't mean that the trans person triggered her more that like, you know, anything that opposes the trans person triggered her. And it was just weird. It's like, oh, I need to have, I need to take offense at something. It's like, I just don't understand. It's so silly. I think it's emotional fragility myself. It is. Yeah. Well, it's part of that not being grounded and, and not having enough of a foundation to be able to discuss things with people. And then that any, you know, whenever you don't, feel like you have a core or a stable foundation, then anything that comes along and pushes you just the slightest bit makes you feel like you're going to fall off or capsize or whatever mm-hmm. the analogy you want to use. It, it mm-hmm. does not take much to throw you off kilter when you don't have a stable foundation. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? Man, it's huge. It really is. Well, Oh, I hear your other children in the background. <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't hey. know what they're doing there. Sorry. It's, <laughs> I, no, you're fine. It's actually kind of cute. I don't mind a bit, actually. It's <laughs> totally adorable. I love dogs. And we're getting close to the end of our time together. We've got about 10 minutes. And I would like to make sure that there's a way, if anyone out there needs you and you'd like to connect with people, I want them to understand what you can do and how you can help them and what you'd like to have happen if you were to connect with somebody uh, from the show here that might need what you do or want to talk to you or get advice. What's that look like? Well, um, the book that I wrote about my experiences as a foster and a step parent, um, Mm -hmm. they can, they can get that at raising other people's children.com. Okay, cool. And then the best way to, uh, the simplest way to get a hold of me um, for you can get a hold of me there at raisingotherpeopleschildren.com. But then I also blog about um, issues of children with trauma and parenting children with trauma at um, my blog, which is raisingotherpeopleschildren.blog. Okay, cool. So and, one and is there, .com and the other one is .blog. But there is another website, DebbieOsburn.com. DebbieOsburn.com, right. right. Okay, yes. cool. Yes. And we want to make sure people know that. So Debbie Osburn, A-U-S-B-U-R-N. R-N. Yep, .com. and you're on Facebook, Other People's Children, LLC, right? Right. Awesome. Right. Very cool. All of, yeah, all of those, um, the Raising Other People's Children blog will take you to the DebbieOsburn.com. They all kind of lead into each other. Cool. So it's just whichever one is easier for people to remember. Mm-hmm. And why would somebody contact you other than to experience your lovely charm <laughs> with Southern hospitality and good legal advice? Why else why would somebody want to talk to you? <laughs> well, um, it, 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 to buy my book or invite me to speak or um, 
to um, just uh, hopefully I'm gonna get some courses up about being uh, a foster parent and a step parent. But awesome. um, um, but to certainly take take a look at the things I blog about, and then you know I'm happy to correspond about those things. And the people that are looking for you and might not even know it are those that are already in foster relationships or people who are thinking of adopting or, or uh, entering both. the foster care system, both? Both. People who are thinking about whether they want to do it and how to do it and people who are um, finding themselves with a challenge and, and want to have some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, folks who are step-parents, you know, that's um, that's the other half of my life, raising someone else's kids is uh, parenting uh, my stepkids and, and understanding uh, well with all my kids, you know, I'm their plan B parent. I'm not the one that they, that was supposed to be there in their lives and figuring out how to do that and how to build strong relationships with them um, in spite of not being the person who's supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And just uh, another side note here, I'm just curious, but I'm a single man and, I've always had a heart for single moms because of my mom and growing up without a father had enough of an impact to know that like, man, if I could do that for somebody else, I really would. So I've always kind of held out thinking that somebody would come along whose father died or, you know, he was an ass and left or something like that, you know, but um, what do you think about people like me uh, who like the idea of being a mentor to children uh, but you know, have never really experienced that you know whole thing. Like, what would you say to other single men that might avoid uh, single mothers? You know, I guess would find be question. Uh, find a mentoring program. You can find a good mentoring program. Big brothers and big sisters. Yes. Um, there's uh, for for African American men. There's you know one thousand men. Uh, I mean, is it one hundred one hundred men of Atlanta, mm-hmm. or maybe it's one thousand? But anyway. Um, they're a great group um, that does a lot of mentoring. So any of those groups will teach you what you need to know. What? No, they won't teach you what you. They'll they'll teach you enough to get started, and then the kids will teach you what you need to know. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. And and honestly, it's a good thing, you know. And I don't know why people do this, but there's a lot of uh, talk out there about you know. Oh, I don't want a single mom. She's got baggage and all that stuff. But you know what? It's like they're people just like anyone else. And, you know, they might have made a bad choice. But Well, everybody's got baggage. Yeah. And and so we have to accept that, right? Like, I mean, that's just it. So it's always a compromise, it seems. Oh, wait, it is always a compromise. That's the element of human relationships that make them work, isn't it? (laughs) Compromise. That's a beautiful thing. Excellent. Are you there? Hello? Uh-oh. Now you cut out all together. Oh, man, we made it. And now it's over. Or at least you're not there. Hello? Oh, no. Are you there? Well, we can make this work. Are you there? All right. It looks like we've lost her. But that's the perfect wrap-up time, I guess. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Toddcast Show. And it's been a pleasure having Debbie Osborne with us. And feel free to reach out to her if you'd like at DebbieOsborne.com and or on Facebook at Other People's Children, LLC. Okay, that got you back now? Are you there? Yeah, I don't know okay. what happened again. I was, okay. I was here and I've been pushing buttons. Gonna, it's okay, it's okay. We're, we're just at the wrap-up point, so that's perfect, actually. Okay, so let's do this. Um, let me pause for a moment so I can okay. see where I need to edit. Here, hold on. Awesome. Are you with me? Yep, I am. Perfect. Awesome. So just in wrapping up here, is there anything that we might have missed or something that's on your heart or your mind that you'd like to share? I certainly don't want to miss anything. And the soapbox is welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You're no, welcome. I would I would just say that that working with kids who've suffered trauma as I've done it in my life or or like you, someone who's looking at maybe um, doing some mentoring, go ahead and, and take the plunge. You have no idea how it will change your life. Um, mm -hmm. That being a foster parent and a step parent has undoubtedly been the most challenging thing I have ever done in my life, but it's also been the most rewarding. Yeah. And I I would not have missed any of it for any amount of money. Totally. That's beautiful. That is great. I like that. That's really good. Man. And so no more children for you, right? You're at the limit? <laughs> at the moment, yes. Okay, <laughs> like I said, cool. We're, we're taking a break. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm just assuming that you're immortal, but like you had mentioned that you're taking a break. <laughs> like, do you know that we're getting older? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I hate to say it that way, but but uh, yes, I yeah. I went to to the doctor the other day, and and there's it's, it's a minor medical thing. He pointed out, and he said, "You know what causes that?" And I said, "Um, getting older." He said, "Oh," <laughs> he said, "No, it's caused by wisdom and experience." Ah. So that's that's my new line for everything. Todd. That it's, is great. You know, all yeah. of these aches and pains are caused by wisdom and experience. Yeah, man. And until there's no way to hide it, I'm using hair dye. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I'm good, I'm good with that. I do not like my gray hair, and I have a lot of it, let me tell you. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that is. Awesome. This has been a great experience, Debbie Osborne. I appreciate you being with us today. I really do. And uh, I just wish you the best and just all the greatest things for your kids and uh, to those kids that got uh, estranged from your family. You know, I. If they ever reach out or, you know, happen to hear this show, I hope that something speaks to them that will allow them to take that step in the right direction. Um, you know, you're well, a very thank you. You're a very loving person. It's really quite humbling to be in your presence. Like, that's a lot of sacrifice you've done in your life. I, I cannot imagine my life without my kids, and I have benefited far more than they have. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry, because that'll come back around. You'll see it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm guessing, okay. yeah. It's like, you'll be like, hey, wait a second. Now they're doing what, what I did. And like, you know, that's the coolest <laughs> thing about that. I think that's really neat. Very cool. Well, thank yeah. you again for being with us, Debbie. And if anyone wants to reach out to Debbie Osborne, they can go to DebbieOsborne.com. And that's Debbie, A-U-S-B-U-R-N. 
and on Facebook at Other People's Children, LLC. And be sure to check out her book if you're thinking about adopting or entering the foster care system. You might be an existing step-parent or somebody that's thinking about this kind of stuff or just doesn't really know where to start or turn. That's what Debbie's here for, and she's got a great book out there. Check it out and uh, you know, see if that helps you, Raising Other People's Children. What a great thing to do. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks again for being on the show, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. You too. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the ToddCast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, You get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference. 
both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.